All right. So let me ask you a question first of all. Are you the blessed? Of course you are. We've been discussing what that term really means. There's a lot of religious doublespeak regarding what the blessing is. Some would say that when sickness, poverty, calamity, and other bad things happen, that you've received a blessing in disguise. Anybody ever heard that before? Oh, it's, it was a blessing in disguise. Then the same people might say when you receive a, a new baby or a new car or a new house or some great health and prosperity and protection of the Lord, that that is such a blessing. You know, it's no wonder that people are confused. I mean, the, the real definition of, and scriptural meaning of the word blessing has been misunderstood for so long. I mean, it's no wonder that in our society the closest people come to knowing anything about the blessing of God is when somebody sneezes. And we say, bless you. And I always, and I've thought this for a long time, how can, when, when I say bless you, how can when you're sneezing and you're spreading saliva and mucus all over, how is that a blessing to anybody? How, I, I, you know, I, I guess that's just one of those in disguise because I've never figured that one out. The blessing of the Lord has a definite, distinguished identity in Scripture. We've talked about it. The Hebrew word actually means to say something good about someone or something. If you just break the word down, that's what it means. The Hebrews, to them, the blessing of the Lord was the exact opposite of the curse. And when you, use, when you look up that word curse and you break it down, it literally means to say something bad about someone or something. So the blessing is to speak well over, the curse is to speak evil over. The Jews, the Jewish people, they were the original readers of the Bible, by the way. They never had a problem distinguishing between the blessing and the curse. They didn't have that. They knew that if it was good, it was blessing. They knew that if it was bad, it was curse. They never had a problem with it. In the Old Testament or any time you would never have heard a Jewish person refer to poverty, sickness, defeat at the hands of the enemy, or any calamity as a blessing. They would never have done that because they had read Deuteronomy 28. Have you ever read that? We've all read the first half because it's only 13 verses, or the first part. It's only 13 verses. The last part's real long, and it has to do with the curse of the law. And it clearly defines poverty, sickness, defeat at the hands of the enemy. It clearly defines those as the curse. I don't know if you've ever read that, but it says that. People who would say, you're going to be sick and poor all your life, and God's going to use it to teach you something. That is not a blessing. I mean, if you came to me and you prophesied over me and I didn't know any better and you said, oh, the Lord is going to make you sick and hurt for the rest of your life and he's going to teach you something from it. I'm going to say, I'm enrolling in a different school. I don't want that. There's no way that's ever going to be a blessing. God's method of teaching us is not by having to send the curse. The curse came from sin. God would not have to use sin to teach me something. That doesn't even make sense to me. It doesn't make sense in the scripture either. Many Christians are robbed of the clarity of the word because religious tradition that contradicts the word. You've heard it before. I've heard it before. Well, you know, I lost my job and went broke and that was a blessing from the Lord because it allowed me to hear the Holy Spirit and put God first in my life. Now, that sounds super spiritual. 
but it's not exactly right. Don't get me wrong. God can use anything you give him. I mean, you can make the biggest mistake ever, and if you turn it over to God, he can use it and do good in your life by it. I mean, you can talk to people who've been to prison before, and they've given their lives to Jesus while they're in prison, and now their lives are doing something. But that, that doesn't mean that was God's plan. God didn't instruct them or plan for them to rob the bank to get to prison to get saved. God had a different way to get them saved. But when they finally were able to give themselves to Him, that's what He, that's what he, he was able to use that. God is perfectly able to get all things to us, according to the Word, as we seek first the kingdom of God. He can get it. He, the Bible says He adds everything to us when we seek first the kingdom. Here's what the scripture says in 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, Study to show yourself approved, a workman unto God that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to rightly divide the word of truth. It says, Study to show yourself approved. Study what? Study the word. If you've got to study, what did God say? Study it. You see, studying has to do with rightly dividing it. Rightly divide. The word divide means to make a straight cut. It means to dissect it correctly. It means not adding my own, my own thing into it, but cutting it up and seeing what it actually says and what God actually meant by it. I've discovered over the years that God means what he says, and he says what he means. And there's a lot to learn as you study scripture. There are a lot about dispensations. There are a lot of, of things we learn that, are, that, that the Lord is, is, is giving us a picture of as we go. We, we understand the Old Testament is a picture of the New Testament. The New Testament is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus one time said, search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life? He's talking about the Old Testament. He says, but they are they which testify of me. I mean, the word's about Jesus. It's about God's redemption and about God's plan for our life. But we study to show it. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And we've, we've actually studied that out. Talked about that means that God breathed it. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and and for instruction in righteousness, that the man or the person of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now, it's, that tells me that the Scripture provides me with everything that I need. Do you know God can teach you through the Scripture? He doesn't have to give you a car wreck. God doesn't have to give you cancer. You don't have to break your toe on the way to the kitchen in the middle of the night for God to get your attention. You know, people say that. They talk about, well, God, just, I was just going too fast, and God got my attention. No, no, he can speak to you through his word. He can do that. How about this one, John 16, 13? Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, all truth. For he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Can I tell you something? Here's how God teaches people things. By his word and by his spirit. By his word and by his spirit, he doesn't have to give you the curse to teach you the blessing. Amen? Amen. We get so confused sometimes. We're thinking that this bad thing is good and the good thing is bad. Well, we had all that money and it was bad. Well, yeah, the Bible says that, that money will, will ruin a fool. Just don't be a fool and it won't ruin you. But we learn by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God. He can bring us everything. And so we've been talking about the blessing. We've, we've seen the Word defined to me not only saying good things, but we've seen it as, as a, a conferment 
that, that is an enablement or an empowerment to, for you to rise to the highest place or to bring the good to pass that God's called you to. The blessing of the Lord is His empowerment in your life to cause you to rise to the place of success. The success in His calling. It's not for you to rise in the success of the thing you decided to do. It's for you to rise in the success of the thing He called you to do. So there's a big difference. You can't be the knight of, of the, you know, the queen gives you, confers knighthood on you. You can't be the, the, a knight of Wales and expect that to work in, in, in Canterbury or some other place. So we have to realize we have to arise to that place. God confers the blessing upon us, declares that we rise to the place of assignment that the blessing includes. That's what we've been talking about. The blessing that God spoke over man in Genesis 128 was his empowerment to the man to prosper in all that he assigned him to do. And that was this, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the face of the earth. God blessed him. He empowered him to have dominion over the world. And we saw that a couple of three times ago. We looked at several scriptures about that. The blessing is not just a spiritual reality, but the blessing is a material reality as well. God puts it in our lives. Last time, we discovered that the plan of God in blessing man is unchangeable. It can't change. It's his permanent plan. God can't change. We talked about that God is love and love cannot change. God created man, the, 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 the man that he loved, and gave him a home of love in which to dwell. That's why the earth was made. So he could make this man and give him a place to live. The intent of love has never changed. God blessed man. He, man was never cursed by God. He succumbed he to the curse by the means of sin. God didn't curse him. Sin came when man sinned. I mean, the curse came when man sinned. All right, God loves him. We discovered in another, the first time we ta talked about this that the blessing of Adam was transferred down to Noah, then to Abraham. We discovered in Galatians chapter 3 that the blessing of Abraham is ours by faith through Jesus Christ. And we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Those things that people refer to as blessings in disguise. Listen, we've been redeemed from them by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw last week that because God is love, that means the universe was created by and for love. We, 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 we were made for the purpose of love. God made us to have this loving relationship with him. Because love has to have somebody to love. And if God is love, he can't just be up there being love without anybody else. So he made man. And gave him a place to live, this planet, so, he could, so he, could, he could love on us and we could love on him. He brought us forth out of his own essence, love, because he loves. And that reflects his desire to bless his family, surround us with goodness. All right, His goodness is who he is. So, that's all review. Let's look at this. We're going to look again at Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And you know these verses, but we're going to look at something pretty fun tonight. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We talked about last time, in the beginning, love, because God is love. We can say that accurately. God is love, so that means love is God. In the beginning, love created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. 
Man, we said in the beginning, love created it. We, we read out of John chapter 1, verse 1. We read it this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with love. And the Word was love. We, we found out, we found out that, that in, in Hebrews chapter 1, I don't know if we said this last week, but that God upholds all things by the Word of His power. The Word of His power. We know that the Word of His power is love. I mean, this whole thing is held together by the love of God. I mean, if God didn't love me, There'd be no hope. In fact, I can find in the scripture in John chapter 17, and you can find this too, that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. That's a hard one to fathom, isn't it? He loves you as much as he loved Jesus, as much as he loves Jesus. It's like, well, yeah, but Jesus never sinned. According to God, you didn't either. Because you've been made the righteousness of God. He was made to be sin for you. You were made to be the righteousness of God. And when God looks at you, he doesn't look at you and say, oh, what a filthy, dirty, rotten sinner. He looks at you and says, my beloved, my righteous one. Because that's how he sees it. Okay, so he loves us, not based on my goodness, but based on what the blood has already made me be. All right, so how did God do all that? Well, it's all in these few words here. We're going to look at this. This is going to be fun tonight. Let there be you ever thought about that? Let there be light. The King James translation is kind of weaker than the original language suggests. When it says, and God said, let there be light, it almost sounds like God is like thinking out loud. Like, hmm, it's dark out there. Let's make some light so we can see what we're doing. I mean, it's like he's just kind of a passive thought, you know. Wow, light. We're getting some light here. And so he's calling for the light. Well, in the original text, that isn't exactly what it means. It was very forceful. The statement by God is a command. It is a direct command. Listen, the whole universe exploded into existence by the command of God's word regarding light. I mean, when God spoke it, it exploded and it became. Literally, in the Hebrew, it says, light be. God commanded light be. And it became. God, God said, light be. And the light became. I mean, listen, this, in this we get a, we get a glimpse of, of, of God's whole method. The way he does all these things. He spoke it into existence. He's about to bring forth a family of creators. That's what we are. And I'll show you that more as we go. A family that he made in his image. And he was teaching us something. He said, light be. This is the divine method of calling those things that are not as though they were. And I'm telling you, this is crucial to his will and his plan for you and me, his family. If you read Genesis chapter 1, over and over, it has these phrases. God said, and it was so. God said, and it was so. I mean, to bring forth, I mean, to, to, to teach us, he just repeated it over and over in Genesis chapter 1. Over and over. Like he's like any good teacher. Any good father would repeat things over and over to his son and his daughter to make sure they get it. Over and over in chapter 1. To bring forth a firmament from the waters. It said verses 6 and 7. God said and it was so. Listen. He said it and it became. Didn't take thousands of years. God said it and it became. <coughs> To gather the waters together and let the dry ground appear. In verse 9, God said, and it was so. To bring forth plant life, verse 11, and God said, and it was so. 
to release the light of the sun, the moon, the stars. In verses 14 and 15, God said, and it was so. To fill the sea with creatures, God said, and saw that it was good. Well, that means it was so if he saw it right after that. To bring forth the animals from the earth in verse 24. God said, and it was so. That is God's creative method. That's, see, God never just blurts out something without thinking about it. He, he, listen, if God said it, it's going to happen. And so he's not just going to blurt something out silly that, that, that's going to that's be destructive. He's, he's, God is never going to say, you are so stupid. He wouldn't do that to you. We were members of a church years ago, right before we got spirit filled. We were members of a church, and this lady would prophesy almost every week. And it was always terrible. And one day, <laughs> she prophesied, and she said, Thus saith the Lord, my little children, why are you so stupid? I'm like, <laughs> If you don't straighten up, I'm going to rain down fire and brimstone on your head. Can I just tell you something? God would never call his children stupid. And if you ever do that to your children, you, you're making a huge mistake. And God's never going to rain down fire and brimstone on his children. The Bible says we escape yes. that wrath. We escape the wrath of God. We don't, we don't receive it. I'm sorry, I got, off, I got off the subject for just a second there. God uses his words wisely and never says anything lightly. Because when God says it, it's his word. He believes it, and it comes to pass. Well, that's pretty good. Remember that as we get, get a little further in here. He pours himself in his words, and they're always full of faith and spiritual substance. Light be is more than just a phrase. I mean, that phrase released enough power to cause the universe to explode into being. You know, I hope when we get to heaven, we get to see the video. I just, I want to see that. I want to see God say, light be. And I want to see all those scientists. (laughs) I I, I want to see them. I want to see the the expression. See, the light wasn't just visible illumination. It it wasn't kind of a, a night light so God could see what he was doing. I mean, it was more. It was it was more than the sun, the moon, and the stars. They weren't created until the fourth day, and this light was much, much brighter and more glorious than that. What what, what could it have been? This light was the light of His own glory, that was already in Him. It literally, He says, "Light in me be." The glory inside of him was the light. John, 1 John 1.5 says, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. The psalmist said in Psalm 27.1, The Lord is my light <laughs> and my salvation. The Bible says in John 1.9 of Jesus, it says that, talking about Jesus, was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And we know that he's God. I mean, light is more than a quality that God possesses. He is light, it says. He is light. He is love. He is light. That's who he is. God is light. Light is his very nature. God is light. The Old Testament and the New Testament describe the appearance of God always in terms of fire, lightning, or some other form of light. 
In the wilderness, the Lord led the Israelites by his presence, which is described as a pillar of fire to give them light. That's the presence of God. I remember one time, right after I got spirit-filled, I was with a group of guys, and I've told you, I think, some of these stories before. We were out. We always went out on Friday nights, and we'd go to the, the, the coffee shops that didn't close that were open all night. And we'd go at about 2 o'clock in the morning because that's when the bars closed, and we'd go out and we'd try to share Jesus with people, and we'd try to bring demonized people back to church and cast the devils out of them. And it was just our entertainment for the weekend. <laughs> but one night... One night, we were wild Christians. I mean, we weren't, we weren't tame in those days. There was, we, was nothing tame about us. And so we, were, we had brought these guys, and we cast the devil out of these people, and, and they went home happy, and we were happy. But we were going to pray all night. So we're praying this one night. And there are, I think there are about eight of us. And we're praying. We're seeking God. All of a sudden, in the foyer of this building, light came. I'm not lying to you here. We all saw the light. And the light was so bright. And man, our, I know what I did. My face hit the ground. Because what could it be but the light of God? And the door opened about, oh, I guess about six inches. And the light was shining in there. And we're like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> and then the Lord, you know, he, he, he left. That bright light presence left. He was light. He appeared to us as light. Bright Light. When God cut the covenant with Abraham, he appeared as a burning lamp that passed between the pieces of the sacrifice. The scripture says that to the psalmist, he revealed himself as the one who covers himself with light as with a garment. That's what God wore, according to the psalmist. In Ezekiel's vision, I love this, it says he had the appearance of a man with fire round about from the appearance of his loins even upward and from the appearance of his loins even downward, the appearance of fire as it, as it had brightness round about. In other words, he was light from the, from the waist down and from the waist up. He was light. He was just bright. Habakkuk says, His brightness was like the light. He had rays flashing from his hand, and there's that's where his power was hidden. The rays are lightning-like splendor coming out of his hands. On the day of Pentecost, when God poured out his Spirit on the church, it says there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. It literally says rays of fire shot down on those people. And when the Apostle John saw God on the throne in the book of Revelation chapter 4 and 5, he saw lightning and fire all around. And then in John's revelation of, in vision of the new Jerusalem, Revelation chapter 21, he says, And the city had no need of the sun, neither the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. When he said light be, he released something more than just a light bulb in the sky. It was the glory of who he is. From Genesis to Revelation, we see that God is light. Man, he, when he said light be, he was releasing his own substance into the void that was darkness and space. He released himself. He released his glory from which all material things began. Everything began when his glory light became the basis of all matter. I was reading, I was reading, this is some time ago, I was reading from, uh, from NASA.gov. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to see if science, what science has to say about it. According to NASA, the universe began as a result of a massive explosion of electromagnetic radiation. Ooh, that's pretty powerful. This massive fluctuation of electro uh, and, and magnetic fields, it created that. Oh, yeah, I looked up electromagnetic radiation. 
That's a big scientific word for light. It just means light. In other words, NASA says that the universe began with the release of light. You know what? They might have gotten it right. They might have missed the timing a little bit, but you know, it, it, they'll figure it out one of these days. Light, according to the Bible and confirmed by science, was the original force of the universe. And that light, when God said light be, do you know that it continues to grow and grow and grow and expand and expand and expand? Because when God said light be, he never said stop. And it's still expanding. I mean, it's the ultimate power in all creation. Light, visible and invisible, became the substance of all material things that we look at. The initial release of this electromagnetic radiation <laughs> is still expanding. According to experts in quantum physics, the smart, smallest particle we know of is called a quark. It's smaller than an atom. They may have smaller ones now, but or found smaller ones. But a quark is a fraction of an atom. I mean, when I was a kid, atom was as small as it got. Yeah. But now a quark, it's just a fraction of an atom. They've been found in what quarks are made of. The scientists have figured it out. Quarks are made of two things. Light and sound. That's what, that's what they're made of. The essence of all matter. Light and sound. God said, light be. And everything is made from that right there. So now, why, why would that even be important? Here's why it's important. It means that God, who is light, who is compassion, who is love, used his own glory to make this planet. He made it with his glory. Man, the Bible tells us that before the foundation of the world, God loved us so much that he decided to build a dwelling place for us that was made out of the very substance of his own love-filled, light-filled nature. That's pretty impressive. When he said light be, he released the very essence of himself into material creation because he wanted his family to be surrounded by 100% good. That's what he was after. He wanted us surrounded by his glory. In fact, we know that Adam and Eve, they didn't even know they were naked because they were clothed in the glory of God. I mean, that's the way God intends for it to be. And I'm going to tell you, one day we're going to be back in that spot and it, the glory of God will just radiate from us. Ooh, man, listen to this. This is what, this is what I love. And God said in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, And God, who is light, who is love, said, Let us make a man in our image after our likeness. Light. And love. Let's make a man like us and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air, over the cattle and all the earth and every creeping thing upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. God made man like himself. I like the old living Bible said it this way. And God said, let us make a man, someone just like ourselves and let them be the masters of all of life. And God formed this man of the dust of the ground, but that was just the container. 
Our body is just a container. He formed him. His identity wasn't in the body, but the substance of light and love that God breathed into his nostrils. That's what God created man to be. The King James almost gives us the impression that God, all of a sudden, it's like he creates all of a sudden, he goes, hey, 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 what if we make a man? That'd be cool, wouldn't it? No, no, no. God is the ultimate planner. It didn't happen by mistake. The entire universe is the result of God's amazing plan. I mean, I can't imagine anybody looking out in the universe and seeing the order and the way things work and say, oh, it was an accident. It couldn't have happened. Never could have happened. I mean, God planned it because he is love, because he is light, and he loves us, and he created it for us. I mean, the blueprint of creation existed in God already inside of him from eternity. I mean, think about the animals and the variety, the shapes and the sizes. I mean, there, were no, there, there was no accident. I mean, there was this intricate plan. He made all of these. There were weird animals on this planet. I mean, there's some weird-looking stuff out there. And God made it all. He made individual ones. I mean, he made stuff that never existed before. But when he created man, it was different. In the creation of animals, they were all originals. But when God created man, he used himself as the pattern. He said, let's make him like us. Talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He said, let's make him just like us. And this man was a copy of God in every way. The word image means copy, by the way. Let us make a copy. God made man, made a copy. In Adam, God created every man, every woman that would ever be born out of his own essence of love and light. I'm going to tell you something. It can, a man and woman can create a being, a body. Only God can bring a spirit to life. Only God can put himself in that spirit. Adam, In Adam, God knew that the free will of man through sin would diminish the light and bring a curse. But God is the ultimate planner. I love this part about God. He, he, see, I don't understand all this. What I'm getting ready to tell you. I'm just going to tell you what it says. Before God ever said, man be in our image, he had a plan for his redemption. Because he didn't want his family to be slaves. He didn't want them to be robots. He wanted them to love him back of their own free will. And in their free will, he knew what was going to happen. When the Bible talks about predestination, it's talking about this plan that God had for every man. It's not, it's not, the predestination it doesn't, doesn't determine whether or not you're going to go to Market Street or to Lowe's after we get through. That's not, that's not predestination. It's this plan that God had for mankind. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 it says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Listen to this. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested these times for you. Before the foundation of the world, before he said, light be, God already had a plan. Already knew. That redemption would come. Ephesians 1.4 According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He had a plan. He knew. 
He knew that we were going to mess up, but he has his plan. He already knows. In the very beginning, God has seen us redeemed in his image. He already sees us as righteous. He already knows. I mean, we've been redeemed from the curse. We, we read it last time and the time before. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, Curses everyone that hangeth upon a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We are the blessed. We are the enlightened. We are those whom God loves because of his plan. Colossians 1.13 says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. We're not in darkness. He is love. He is light. He spoke it into existence. Imagine the astonishment of the angels when God released himself in, the, in, in this creation of the man. We talked about it last time. They're going, what is man? What is this thing that you've created? I mean, they had to wonder what this family would be like that they were created to serve. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, To which of the angels did he say at any time, Sit on my right hand, and I'll make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? God made man. And he said, Now angels, I want you to help them. I want you to help them. Because my, my glory is in them. My light and my love is in them. I mean, the angels were glad. The devil was mad. <laughs> The devil wanted the glory that was breathed into man. It's the blessing of God that enables us to arise to the place of our intended creation. That's why God blesses you. So you can rise and be what he created you to be. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, tonight we give you thanks. We thank you that you are love. That you our light. When you created this world, you created it with your own glory. Father, when you breathed life into Adam and, and, and subsequently into all of us, you breathed into us your glory and your light. And Father, we declare tonight by your blessing, the blessing of the Lord, that we rise to the place of your intended creation. And we give you thanks for it and honor in Jesus' name, amen.